nothing now matters. Right. So I have you. I already have you. I don't need to win you. In fact, I can abandon you if I want to because Jesus, you know, he leaves the 99 for the one. So you're one of the 99 now. So I got to go get the one. So I can trample everybody here because the whole point, again, we are evangels. Doesn't matter what happens to you here now. You're going to get it in heaven. Your only job, our only job is to get as many more people as possible in here. So... You need to suck it up. You need to not be offended, not get angry, not get bitter, not feel whatever, because you know what the truth is, and you're on you're on the good path. And now we're all trying to get get everyone else in here. Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Full Mutuality Podcast. Hope you had a nice Super Bowl weekend, whether or not you watched the game. I have no clue who won or even what two teams are playing. I do enjoy sports, but hockey is the sport I follow, like a real Canadian. If there's one sport I really don't follow, like not even that I just don't follow it, but I don't even understand the sport, it's American football. But one of the things I really enjoy about it is watching the evangelicals get all in a huff about stuff related to the Super Bowl. There was this post by April A. Joy. If you don't follow her, her handle is April A. Joy R. You got to check out her stuff. It's terribly therapeutic and hilarious. Uh, But she gave her prediction list on the Super Bowl. So um, if you haven't watched it yet, you know, maybe you recorded. I don't know what to say to you. A few days have passed. So here's here's her Super Bowl prediction list. I've warned you. So her prediction list, what Christians will post online. One, wish we got this excited to worship. Two, this halftime show is demonic. Three, kids are watching. Boycott the NFL. Four, Love the He Gets Us commercials. Oh, I'm going to get back to this one. Five, Rihanna is the Illuminati and this fuzzy screen grab is proof. Yeah, I mean, no matter who's performing at the Super Bowl, you could pretty much predict, especially if it's a woman of color, they're going to be upset about something going on. (sighs) So how many of you guys actually saw the He Gets Us commercials that were going on? I I need to go on a rant. On today's episode, we're going to get into Is Evangelicalism a Cult? And on a previous episode, we covered behavior control and information control. Today, we're going to get into thought control and emotional control. And I feel like this commercial really ties into it. Um, If you haven't heard the previous episodes, you might have to back up two or three episodes. The intro with Janice was our first one. This is going to be part three. Um, But I thought the topic was really relevant. I got kind of worked up about all of this because... um, There was an article by Relevant recently that said um, that Americans loved those commercials, that they were really popular. And I thought, of course they are. Of course, 81% of white evangelicals who thought Trump was a good idea would see a commercial that says Jesus loves the people we hate and has an insurrection-looking dude screaming at a guy from a Black Lives Matter protest and basically equates the two, says that... Uh, Jesus loves all of us and tries to paint these two as something and and telling us to love our enemies as you see these white supremacists and Christian nationalists doing the horrendous stuff and putting them side by side with people of color, um, acting like, hey, you know, love your enemies. This is Jesus wants us to love the people uh, or Jesus loves the people that we hate. It's 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 actually kind of cruel. I feel like it does tie into emotional abuse. Uh, I think it ties into 
a lot of the things we're going to be talking about today, but I think it's sad that people don't critically take a look at these things, that they just swallow it down and go, wow, it's just a message about Jesus loving everyone. And there's no concern about um, an abuser being equated um, with the person that they're abusing. So there's like police in the commercial uh, next to black people. And like, we're just supposed to see them all as the same at the end of the day, whether you're killing, you're beating, you're beating up people or you're, you're on the other side. And, and they had a lot of people all just looking angry. Right. And the questions about why are they angry? Those don't get factored in. So, um, yeah, there was a lot in there that just, I think we need to start asking the harder questions about this. So if you haven't heard about it, this anonymous group of people, uh, they've spent a billion dollars, or sorry, they plan to spend a billion dollars. According to a CNN article, um, it says that they told Christianity Today that it's a billion dollar campaign and 20 million went into the Super Bowl spots. Uh, so of course, Super Bowl commercials are still a thing. In Canada, we don't get to see those. And um, I don't know, I think it's probably a good thing. Canadians don't swallow that stuff down the same way. Um, but it's kind of scary to see how they've taken to over here. And uh, of course, conservatives are getting very upset about this because they think it's a woke commercial, which kind of shows me how much people are confused when they watch this and don't really get what the messaging is. It looks vague. You have to sort of start to dig around. Um, apparently people are concerned about all these young people leaving the church and we're trying to get people to come back and not see the church as a bad thing. That's the goal of the founders of this, things that they've said about why they're putting out these commercials. Um, but I think we need to take the time to be critical about these things. And once you start hopping over to the website of He Gets Us and start reading this, you know, they try and make it sound like they're apolitical. But then you find out who the donors are and they're the Hobby Lobby person. And, you know, they, they make it seem like Jesus is apolitical. But then you read about Jesus in the Bible and they wanted to kill him. <laughs> they, they, they really did. They, the political leaders found him to be a threat. The religious people found him a threat. He wasn't a neutral character anywhere in scripture. So um, it goes on on their website to say, many perceive those who differ with them on issues of justice, dignity, and humanity as not just wrong or misguided, but as evil. Yes, if you believe in beliefs of white supremacy, that's evil. Those differences of opinion on areas of justice are not just something you can equate the two together as just equally misguided. That's not how this stuff works. Racism is evil. When you participate in, participate in that system, no, we don't want to demonize people. We want people to unpack it and work through it. But we can't just both sides everything. That's super unhelpful. And I feel like when I look through these commercials, um, that was one of the things that I noticed. Um, they go on to say things like, you know, the more ideologically defensive we become, the more we're willing to sacrifice things like kindness, patience, and the respect and dignity of others for the sake of victory, the righteous ends justifying the dehumanizing means. But they never specify who they're addressing. It's like everyone is like this. Everyone is, is not being patient with each other. How do you be patient with someone who's abusing you? And why should you be told to do that and to swallow that down? They like, they continue, it's tearing us apart. We experience it in politics, in the workplace, in schools, and in the churches. And at the heart of conflicts is a fundamental disagreement about what it means to be good. Yes. But like, can you spell out your positions here? And they, they really try and avoid doing it. Um, they say, you know, uh, we need to be capable of unconditional love for others, despite their differences, or that's what God does. Um, 
what they say that whether it's hypocrisy or discrimination in the church or scandals, both real and here's the word that got me perceived scandals among religious leaders. Perceived? What? I mean, you really got to read through this stuff carefully. They talk about moving beyond the mess of our current cultural moment. I'm again, I'm just reading from their website and I'm like, what mess? Can you guys like be a little like what's with all this vague stuff? You know, um, how did this man's story, they're talking about God and Jesus now, how did Jesus' story become associated with hatred and oppression for so many people? And how might we all recover the promise of the love his story represents? Those are the questions at the heart of he gets us. And it's frustrating. Like it's frustrating because there is a reason that this man's story became associated with hatred and oppression for so many people. And I'm going to get to that because the donors of he gets us, although they choose to remain Anonymous Hobby Lobby co-founder David Green, this is right from CNN's article, claims to be a big contributor to the campaign's multi-million dollar coffers. Hobby Lobby has famously been at the center of several legal controversies, including the support of anti-LGBTQ legislation and a successful years-long legal fight that eventually led to the Supreme Court allowing companies to deny medical coverage for contraception on the basis of religious beliefs. That's from the CNN article. I'm going to drop that into the notes. It's a fantastic article kind of digging into this whole campaign that white evangelical Christians are excited about, of course. Um, And it touches on a lot of really good points. I'm going to cover some of it. I don't want to read the whole article, but I think it's important for us to critically look at how evangelicalism manipulates because this is an evangelical campaign at the end of the day. This is made by evangelicals. They like to claim it's made by religious and non-religious people. But when you dig deeper and you look at the donors and you look at the backers, I'll continue. CNN asked Vanderground, the representative for He Gets Us, if the campaign, I love this, they asked them directly, do they support and affirm LGBTQ Christians? So here's where you need to look for yes or no answers. They never can do that. Instead, the debate over LGBTQ plus issues is a great example of how the real Jesus too often gets lost, overlooked, or distorted in debates over political and social issues, he said. Yeah, Because those political and social, Jesus wasn't about any of those social issues, was he? I mean, you don't want him to get lost. Like, you don't get so focused on caring for the poor or caring about justice for the marginalized that you lose track of, what does Jesus have to do with any of that? It's, it's, it's just so twisted. I'm going to go back to saying what they quoting them. Our focus is on helping people see and consider Jesus as he's shown in the Bible. He gets us and he loves us. And that includes people on all sides of these issues. Do you hear the both sizing it? Do you see the gaslighting that's going on? Going back to the the article, the minds behind he gets us say the campaign's message is intended to appeal to the younger people and those who may see Christianity as toxic and divisive. Hmm. Wonder where they're getting that from. In the article, a lot of times when people look at Christianity, unfortunately, they see it as much more hypocritical, judgmental, and discriminatory. Vanderground told CNN's Tom Foreman, we're trying to unify the American people around the confounding confounding love and forgiveness of Jesus. (laughs) So, yeah, the love of Jesus that apparently doesn't take sides and... You know, there's some divisiveness and toxicness, but it's on all sides and it's everyone. And he loves us all, including people on all sides of these issues. We don't have to explain how one side is causing division. We don't have to get into how it's harming people. No, no, let's just gloss over all that. They say, 
by design, our media messages focus on his humility, since we've learned these resonate with the widest possible audience. The He Gets Us Partner site reads, we also provide open opportunities for anyone willing to connect with our partners to learn more about Jesus. So you get into who their partners are and you start looking into the details. That's how you'll find out about the Hobby Lobby guys, how you'll find out about that there are evangelical people behind this, that that's what this messaging is. Word of the campaign, going back to the article, has sparked enthusiasm among Christian groups and influencers online, but other Christians, including those in the growing deconstruction movement, <laughs> all of you guys listening to this, who are reevaluating their relationship with religion, aren't buying it. That's from the CNN article. They quote Dr. Kevin McYoung, a pastor and biblical scholar who discusses Christianity on social media. He says the campaign won't do much to assuage people's criticism of the church. Young people are digital natives who understand the difference between slick marketing and authenticity, he says. Mega churches, mega events, and mega spending on marketing is seen as money that could have been used funding community programs and advocacy for the oppressed, such as refugees, LGBTQ plus individuals, and abortion rights and the poor. No, the people who are funding this are actually doing the exact opposite, which while pretending they're neutral and they don't take positions on any of this, which is so misleading. Instead, Young says they prefer to see action and accountability. Young people want a church that will put shoe leather to their faith and do something for those who are in harm's way, those who the church itself has harmed. Yeah, a billion dollars, guys, can go a really long way to helping so many marginalized groups instead of some slick out advertisement campaign trying to rehab the image of Jesus from the very people who have done tremendous harm. Yeah. Um, some of the He Gets Us messaging makes oblique references to cancel culture. We all know who loves to cry about cancel culture. The article goes on to say, which raises a red flag for some who see the term as highly political and a staple of conservative rhetoric. Yes. One message uses the slogan, Jesus was canceled. I mean, you could hear, if you just scratch beneath the surface, you can hear where these messages are coming from and whose voice they're trying to replicate. So He Gets Us. Who is he getting? Those of you who feel canceled for your opinions on things. People are telling you your opinions are racist and you don't want to hear that. You don't want to understand that. People are saying you're being homophobic. Oh, you don't want to consider that your, your positions on things might actually be harming others. You feel canceled. He gets you. He gets us. Like it's, it's there when you look at it. You can understand why this resonated with so many people who, again, in the United States, 81% of white evangelicals, this just got eaten up. So those are just little snippets from the article. Uh, again, I'll throw it into the show notes. You can go read the entire thing. It's pretty good. Um, one of Nate's coworkers, who's a journalist, messaged him about it. Uh, she's not evangelical, but she had a suspicion watching it that something was up. She wanted to like the ad, but just felt something off about it. So she messaged Nate. He has been out with COVID, and I know if he starts talking, you're going to hear him later, but this was pre-recorded. Uh, today, he is, he's still recovering, and he starts coughing fits if he talks too long. So you can send him your well wishes. He's on the mend, but I'll just read what he sent to his coworker because I thought his response gives his viewpoint, and I echo it, but it added in some extra thoughts on this that are worthwhile. He said, yeah, that's the thing about Christian ads. They're always connected to right-wing groups. Left-wing and progressive Christians don't have the kind of organizational funding to do this, nor do they think marketing God is a worthwhile way to spend money. Most progressive Christians, Christian denominations aren't interested in proselytizing because their goals are usually to help make communities better. The primary goal for conservative Christian denominations is conversion, hence 
the advertisements. A lot of evangelical churches and parachurch organizations have also bought into the Hillsong style of branding, so it's not uncommon to see them come up with slick ad campaigns. This one just so happens to be the first to make it to the Super Bowl. The ad campaign itself is a bait and switch. Since conversion is at the heart of it, the hidden meaning behind the message he gets us is that Jesus understands how you feel and he wants you to see there's a quote unquote better way. In other words, change your ideas about abortion, LGBTQ inclusion, racism. Jesus faced the same kinds of struggles and he cares so much about you that he understands how you feel and doesn't want you to stay that way. Yeah. Um, And then Nate went on to send an article to her about the data mining operation behind this ad campaign. When you go to their website, they ask for your email. They claim to connect you to stuff. They have an app they want you to download to read. And basically... There, he sent an article that said the company powering the He Gets This campaign is Glue, which collects massive amounts of data and analyzes it and sells it to services to churches. It sells it to churches. Apparently, like 10% of churches use them in order to collect data on people to help understand that churches care and that yours is here to help, its website says. That's, that's Glue, which was the, the company powering the He Gets This campaign. So they literally sell data to churches that are looking to put your ads in Facebook and to target certain people who with certain keywords. Uh, so, you know, this is this all has a lot going on behind it that people don't even bother to see. Like they're not just spending money for no reason. So you could think Jesus is a great guy. <laughs> like they could just follow Jesus and donate their money to helping people, but they're not. And when those kind of things happen, we need to start asking the questions of what's going on. And that's something a lot of people just don't know how to do. And so I hope in this episode, as you listen, it kind of um, maybe makes you think through the different ways that manipulation is used and coercion is used, um, that control tactics are used in order to change your way of looking at things and feeling and thinking through things. And um, without further ado, here's our episode with Janice. I know we do <laughs> thought control. Um, it's probably a lot of overlap. I'm sure. Yeah. So th- I find thought control in- interesting because this is where I think we start to see some of that where um, like Janice, you were talking about how, um, yeah, we have choice. You know, when, when you're talking about behavior control, we can choose X, Y, and Z. But I think thought control is where some of that removal of choice underhandedly comes into play because it's not... Uh, I think at, at at the surface level, we might think that we have the choice that we're doing this of our own volition, quote unquote. But what happens, so here's one under thought control, um, requiring members to internalize the group's doctrines as truth. So you adopt the group's like map of reality as reality. You instill black and white thinking. You decide between good and evil and then then give them that framework to decide what is good and evil, um, and then organizing people into you know us versus them or insiders versus outsiders, and so those sorts of things that that happen, um, that's where we sort of unconsciously start to they narrow your choices and, down for you, right? Like if they can mm-hmm. get these things in your head, then you think yeah. you're making decisions. Like I often think of um, the decision to say no, right? Like consent, or even the decision to to report on someone for sexual anything if you don't have the language if you if information has been withheld from you to explain to you terms terminology to even know what that is then how are you going to report or talk about something you're just going to be in confusion and shame and not knowing 
how to discuss the topic. Like you'll you'll be lost. So how are you going to make an informed choice? How are you going to cho- your your choices are going to be very narrow and limited on what you what you can do. And it's made that way on purpose so that you comply, <laughs> so that you say yes, so that you you do what's expected. Yeah. 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 And it. I don't know. I feel like we're we're an interesting generation because I'm like my mom grew up in church but like not like this and and in a sense like chose a lot of parents that lived lived lives and then chose Christianity like chose evangelicalism and then we were like just wholly just born into this and so really never had another another thought pattern never had really a chance right and so you have no idea, you have no idea how much you're not thinking right? and how much of your, yeah, your behavior and everything that is coming from this not thinking is coming from not thinking. Like you just, we just never even had the option. Mm-hmm. You didn't think through, can I live my life differently than this? Because that, that didn't exist as a part of a possible no. anything. Nope. No, no. Nope. And if, if it did. But like that's that's death and that's hell. Right. Right. And like it is right. just because we why were would you taught choose that. Right. Like because we it, were taught that 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 other life was the sinful one. We were taught to be grateful for the fact that we were born into this world. Hmm. You know right. that we didn't that we didn't have to suffer the pain of living without this knowledge of God. Right. Because yeah. all those kids growing up without God are living some really miserable, tortured lives. It's so much projection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so much mm. projection when you think of the anxiety that Christian kids end up going through. Yeah, I even think of like in terms of choices and always like if you grew up in evangelicalism, I for me, it was presented to me while I was in foster care and I was going through a lot of trauma. So my foster mother was telling me I wasn't loved, that she hated me, like just really vile and awful. And it was like uh, at church, I was told like, God loves you and has cares about your life has meaning and purpose. So like in the middle of trauma, sometimes, I mean, you think of choices, like there was, I didn't have the option of, you don't have to believe in God to be loved and accepted as who you are. Like that's Mm -hmm. not, so like, it's like here out here in the wild, you, you have, you're hated <laughs> or you can have God's love. So what is a kid going to choose as a, you know, as a traumatized, like I think of choices out of trauma and I think of how evangelicalism, and we've talked about this probably in our conversation that we did, the, the three of us on Hillsong, but how many times people out of trauma will get pulled into these systems and and then I ask, what kind of choice is that? Like, if you're seeking out people who are vulnerable in order to, you know, they're more open to God's grace because they're in need. And when we're at our neediest, that's when we're most open to God. And that's because we're in a humble state. And they, like, they have a positive spin on it where it's like, you know, everything else has been stripped away. You know, all those pieces of yourself that are bad, that'll prevent you from opening up. But meanwhile, you really are in a vulnerable state. Yeah. You're, you're very vulnerable. when you're most vulnerable to manipulation. Yeah. Right. Right. And the ethics mm-hmm. of doing that kind of stuff. It mm-hmm. hits me. The older I get, the more I, I wish I could go back to that kid. Yeah. You know, who was making a choice, but I didn't ha- like didn't have other op- too many options. out there. Like that's the way that was framed. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, I could I could stick without God. But like, then I'm not loved and I'm not valuable. Like, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this one. Uh, this one stands out. 
um, teaching thought-stopping techniques, which shut down reality testing by stopping negative thoughts and allowing only positive thoughts. I mean, including... don't get offended. <laughs> right, right. Don't get offended. Right, right. Can you believe we get to do this? <laughs> whatsoever things are pure and Ooh, yeah, that's know. a great one mm -hmm. think think on these things whatever is yep. noble whatever is right whatever is excellent whatever is just, yep <laughs> yeah yep um yeah. they they list out a bunch here and they have like denial rationalization justification wishful thinking chanting meditating praying speaking in tongues singing or humming mm. um i mean how many how many evangelical environments promote a good a good chunk of that um, as a way to to stop you from questioning reality? And some of it is it's it becomes a self soothing technique. Like um, you know, when I feel uncomfortable, I'm going to sing a worship song, or when I'm uncomfortable, mm -hmm. I'm going to take my anxiety. You're taught, you know, bring cast your cares upon the Lord. To, you know, uh, don't be anxious about anything, but with prayer and petition, present your request to God. Yep. So you get in the cycle of something is wrong in your life, something is distressing you, and rather than being able to tap into resources, analyze, figure out a solution. It's just talk to God about it and pray a song and don't, the song then becomes what you're fo fixing your mind, fix your, set your mind on, you know, things above where moth and rust do not destroy, you know, uh, like right. just, yeah, you, you're, you're putting your head, you're taking spiritual bypassing is the word I was looking for. You're like trying to avoid using spiritual things in order to avoid your present reality. And it's a self-soothing thing, but it doesn't actually like the end of my marriage, I prayed every single morning on my way into work with a mentor about my relationship. Now, that was soothing. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, it, it provided me a sense of temporary peace. It was a way to deal with my anxieties about the really the awful situation in front of me. But I worry about how that prevents us from sometimes when we're in those that pattern and that cycle of just going with those thoughts to to actually not address. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Do you guys find that any of those techniques for 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 how to deal with your thoughts kept you from facing things in a way? Well, it does because like we know we kind of know what the outcome has to be, right? So like yeah. if you're you're praying about your marriage every morning, I'm assuming you're praying that you know, God, God heals and fixes God, everything. God hates divorce. So that's not even an option. So I can't even yeah. think no. about that. I can't like there are just certain options that just cannot be on the table because that cannot be God's will for me. Yeah. So then I have to just focus on whatever here to keep my mind on that while we work towards the the intended goal. And so like, I mean, the world is full of options. Like we have so many things that we can do at any given moment. But so many of those options are just not available. So I remember being told that I was ambivalent and they were telling it to me as a negative. Somebody who was mentoring me was like, Gail, you're being ambivalent. And I was like, that was the piece of me that saw reality and was recognizing the truth that it wasn't working. And the piece of me that wanted to have faith were both existing in me. But they were saying your ambivalence is a negative. So in my head, it's like, well, then I'm supposed to pick a side. Am I either supposed to block out that I recognize this reality it could not work out and I need to prepare for the reality and situation of things or I could just trust God's going to fix everything. So like I couldn't, I was being discouraged from holding the two because the, the ambivalent comment was a negative. It was like a, a a bad thing. It was being brought to me as like, a, mm, you're ambivalent. You notice you're ambivalent. Right. So 
Um, yeah, you're, the choices, what you're saying about the choices not being there. They're yeah. just not there. Yeah. So you just have to do whatever works, whether it's the praying, the, the worship or whatever, to yeah. keep my mind, keep my mind stayed on Jesus. I listened right? to more sermons than that in that period of time in my life than I ever, like I was immersed in, in a way that is super unhealthy, like super unhealthy. And the thing is, we weren't taught that there's such a thing as being super unhealthy if you're immersing yourself in God, right? Like if Not all you're doing is listening to sermons nonstop and worship and prayer, and that's occupying every place you can squish in in your free time, well, then you're a super Christian. You're as healthy as they can. Po- and I look at that period of time and there was nothing that healthy is not the word that goes with what, what was going on in me and what I was doing. Like that was, that was spiritual bypassing, like at a whole level. But I also felt like I had no choices and I felt desperate and, and I was full of anxiety about everything. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of anxiety, emotional control. Um, so under emotional control, um, he has listed manipulating and narrowing the range of feelings. So some emotionals, uh, some emotions, um, and or needs are deemed as evil, wrong, or selfish. Um, yeah, you teach emotion stopping techniques to block feelings of homesickness, anger, doubt, etc. Um, Make the person feel that problems are always their own fault, never the leader or the group's fault. Um, promote feelings of guilt or unworthiness, such as identity guilt. You're not living up to your potential. Your family is deficient. Your past is suspect. Your affiliations are unwise. Your thoughts, feelings, and actions are irrelevant or selfish. You have social guilt, historical guilt. Um, instilling fear, such as the fear of thinking independently, fear of the outside world, uh, creating enemies, fear of losing one's salvation, fear of being shunned by your group. Um, And then, oh, extremes of emotional highs and lows, love bombing and praising one moment and then declaring that you're a horrible sinner the next. Um, Ritualistic and sometimes public confessions of sins. Um... Yeah. And then the other ones I think are, are more for some of the, um, the, the heavy, the, the more like, you know, intense cults. So like the, the David Koresh type, (laughs) type stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm reading that and, and so much is coming into my mind. Um, I feel like, you know, if you're listening to this and, and and you heard me read that and you're thinking, you're like ticking off boxes or thinking of situations that you've been in. I mean, the one that really, I mean, they all kind of stand out, but one that stands out in this moment, um, emotional highs and lows, like love bombing and praising one moment and then declaring that you're a horrible sinner the next moment. Um, oof. I mean, in... Uh, in one of my, uh, actually the, 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 the last church that I worked for before I ended up at Hillsong, um, I mean, I felt that constantly. It was this like, you know, you know, Nate, we couldn't do this without you. You know, your, your work is so valuable. Look at the stuff that you're doing for God. Um, you know, I remember my executive pastor saying, you know, you are, you're an incredibly teachable person. Never lose that. That is a beautiful thing. And then... Ooh, that feels so the, manipulative now. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. The, the next thing I know, 
Um, I'm in meetings about, you know, um, you know, your thought life, these kinds of, uh, things that you're writing are indicative of the way that you're thinking, or have you, have you taken every thought captive for Christ? You know, uh, mm -hmm. we're really concerned about the way that your ministry is operating. And this seems like that you don't have your eye on, on, on the ministry and you're too focused on this, that, or the other thing. And, oh man, it was, uh. Yeah, I almost feel like the first meeting is to set you up for the second. Like, I feel like the comments on how teachable you are is because they have the stuff ready to tell you about what you need to change and fix, and they're right there. They're, they're plying you. They're they're lubing you up. They're I don't know what the word. Mm. They're they're <laughs> priming you. They're, you're like the meat that they're putting the marinara on before they put you on the grill. You know, they're oh, trying yeah. to. They're Oiling getting you, greasing you up. They're with the, getting uh, the olive oil. They're getting ready to to cook to roast you. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Oh. man it's, it's, but all of it so even like you don't even you wouldn't even have to love bomb me right because i like it's just been instilled from the beginning that you're a horrible sinner um mm -hmm. and you're lucky you're blessed right yeah. to have anything good to have any <laughs> to be loved by anyone mm -hmm. um like you're you're just you're lucky like this, mm. this is the grace of God anyway. So it's like when you just live with the baseline of, no, we're all wicked, horrible people yep. apart from God. There is none righteous. No, not none. Really. None. Right. <laughs> and then we have to obey. Anger is not allowed like oh, a childhood. Like, no, at no. all. Anger and it's like you can't. Terrible. Right. And so you can't you can't take you can't just take an emotion away from a child and like only have that emotion be affected. So it's like, right. even now I'm like, yeah, no, I'm super, super balanced, super chill. But like, I can't, I can't get very emotional on either end. Like I don't get very angry. I also don't get very happy. Like, mm. or I'll feel it, but like just can't, can't show it. Cause it's like just yeah. a lifetime of conditioning of just staying very, very level and not, you know, not dealing with things and then that's just emotionally and then if you're going to talk about sexually and you're having people like shut down mm. that whole side of themselves like and all of this stuff again right no these are just things things that i'm choosing things that this is just the best for me this you're teaching just... it to teenagers who have no yeah. who don't have any experience and who are trusting you to teach them how what's best and you're right. shutting down things that could have damage. Like, then they're going to get married. Ugh. There was a study on vaginitis. Vaginitis? I think that's the word I'm using. I uh, hope I'm using the correct term, where women experience extreme pain in sex. And it was explaining how mm -hmm. it's very common and even more common among conservative women who've had these messages thrown at them. Um, so it's it's like a horrible thing to imagine. You know, you're told you're going to have the greatest sex of your life because you waited till marriage. Nope. <laughs> statistically, you're going to have mm -hmm. painful, terrible sex, statistically. And I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying people who don't have good stories, uh, that they don't throw up, you know, that the people who go up front and tell their testimony of how it worked out for them are lying. But they're never going to throw up there anyone who doesn't, uh, who who's, who gives the other story. Those stories right. are not going to make it up front, even if they're the more than the, like, if more than half have a bad experience, those stories just don't make the front. But there's been studies. Yeah. 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 Well, they're not going to make it up front because those people are also not going to 
talk to their no. pastors in that way because they're ashamed of the feelings that they have. Why didn't this work um, the way they told me yeah. it's supposed to work? Yeah. So they can't yeah. they can't talk to their pastors about it because if they do, then they're admitting that, you know, the 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 story that, that they've been fed is not is not right. It's not right. It's and not that's not possible. Yeah. So it has right. to be right something so, about me something wrong with me exactly yeah. something and and nobody's nobody's perfect right and there's no way you didn't slip up somehow if you didn't do anything mm-hmm. i did think that thing that one time mm-hmm. or i yep. did see that thing yep. that one time somewhere yeah somewhere because you're not perfect that you can blame yourself for the whole thing going wrong right and you will mm-hmm. yeah you will there was that time that i didn't take that thought captive what thought right. was it i don't remember but i didn't take it captive <laughs> That's right. blame for this whole Or maybe, thing. maybe it's not me. Like, yeah. maybe it's him. Like, so then you're also like oh, suspecting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're just suspicious of everyone yeah. and everything else. Because if it's not going the way they said it would, the way God promised, God is not a man that he should lie. So it's not mm-hmm. on God. So it's right. it's something about me or yeah. it's something about you. Like, we... Yeah. Yep. They do teach you to to, yep. to or, assume it's yourself if something like yeah what you were yeah. one of the points you read Nate was about as internalizing it as you mm-hmm. right or maybe it was your uh, maybe it was someone in your ancestry who sinned right, right. the the sins of the father are visited upon mm-hmm. the third and fourth generation <laughs> right <laughs> did you talk to your grandfather about that one time that he bought a Playboy magazine <laughs> right have you have you gone gone before the Lord with that? Have you done mm-hmm. enough spiritual warfare to yeah. close those doors? You got to break all the curses and renounce everything that could have possibly happened in your line at mm-hmm. any point that could have let the devil in. Those were the terms they use, like like a crack in a door and you just... Where, do, where did he get a foothold? That's right. Mm-hmm. foothold becomes That's a stronghold. The... Right, right. right? Yeah, a foothold becomes a stronghold. Oh my God. Carl you open Lentz the just door. This conversation. <laughs> you open the door and now... Yeah. You know, yeah. You don't think to go. Maybe the church's teachings are bunk, mm-hmm. and that's why this is going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. Maybe I, none I, of this is real. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I've been fed a reality, and uh, it's not. It's not the real one. You're, you're, <sighs> well, we made it through the bite model. I was just um, going to say really quick, Nate, before you, I know you're closing it down with the bite model, but uh, I really appreciated your comment, Janice, because I related to it a lot on uh, dissociation, um, that if you numb out the the negative feelings like that is, that's one of my biggest fears about my wedding, actually, is like n- when I get happy and there's good moments in my life, I go numb. And I don't know how to feel the good feelings. Like I know intellectually I'm excited. Like I'll get excited leading up to, but I get into those moments that should that I should be able to feel and have that excitement. And it's like muted, but I was always taught like, and and some of this was outside of church. My foster mother would beat me for crying when my parents would leave. But like when you, and I had to learn that through counseling, when you take off the bottom of the curve, when you're taking off the negative emotion, you cut off the top emotions too. So I actually am trying to teach myself to feel the hard stuff when I need to feel it and to and using that as a way to start feeling the until mm-hmm. when I get excited to celebrate those moments when I feel things because it is hard to right. live muted and and it sucks that yeah. churches have taught us how to like mind control and thought control and emotional control ourselves to the point where we can't even live a life with a, a range of feelings that make life exciting it's like taking out the colors and making everything you know, like watching instead of watching color TV, we're watching black and white TV, and that's black and that's, white. that's how so we're it's living. Black it. and white, baby. It's all black that's and it. white. <laughs> it's all yeah. black and white. 
We live in an era of unprecedented access to information, news, and media. But what happens when all that information leads you to suddenly realize you spent the majority of your childhood in a cult? Well, we can tell you. Join me, Jessica Goforth, and Kathleen Reynolds as we take you into the world of cult recovery after all the emotional, psychological, financial, and sexual abuse we experienced as part of Bill Gothard's Advanced Training Institute. On our podcast called Leaving the Village, we talk candidly about our journey out and interview other survivors whose experiences will boggle your mind as scandals continue to rock the twisted world of IBLP. Subscribe to Leaving the Village today so you don't miss a single episode. Hey everyone, I'm Nate from the Full Mutuality Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for tuning into this show. We're so grateful that you've decided to spend your time with us Seriously, Dan, Gail, Jessica, Kathleen, Scott, and the rest of us here at the Dauntless Media Collective couldn't produce content like the show you're listening to without your support. I'd also like to invite you even further into the conversation. Right now, there are some great discussions happening over in the Dauntless Media Collective Discord server. If you're interested in chatting with other folks who are deconstructing and decolonizing the oppressive traditions that they came from, please feel free to hop on into the server. If you don't know what Discord is, it's a place where communities can gather online for chatting on a wide variety of topics. In our Discord server, we have channels devoted to general deconstruction conversations, some meme sharing, therapeutic venting about whatever religious bullshit you're currently dealing with, and even a channel specifically devoted to talking about the latest episodes of the podcast you're listening to right now. I hope you'll join us. You can log in directly to the Dauntless server by clicking the link in the show notes or heading to dauntless.fm and clicking the link in the top banner. See you there. So um, I want to end with something a little bit fun, humorous, (laughs) dark. You guys are all sticking with us, Uh, audience member. We're sorry if you're all traumatized. Go listen to Kayla's episode. Maybe get in touch with a therapist. (laughs) We we all, Um, definitely, if you've come out of evangelicalism, we do recommend therapy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, Okay. What are some of your least favorite uh, evangelical slogans or catchphrases or, or weird cultural oddities. Mm, <laughs> let go and let God. Yeah. Um. Oh, my top one has got to be God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, I like those. Um, love the sin, hate the sinner. Ooh, that's no, love the sinner, hate the sin. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is my, my dyslexia <laughs> kicking in. Yep, um, it's not a religion; it's a relationship. Ooh, <laughs> these are evangelical slogans for sure. I what I do like though is is taking that and turning it back around and saying, if it's if it's a relationship, why are you running straight back into a new one? That toxic relationship at your old church really harmed you and you're going to go run to a new church? You wouldn't do that. I mean, most people wouldn't do that with, you know, partners. Why would you do that with a church? Right. But um 
Or if it is a relationship, just just take a look at it. This yeah. is not evaluate. a healthy relationship. We're trying to help mm-hmm. you evaluate here. This is what we're doing today. Yep. We're like, if you're listening to this and you've made it through, this is a chance to look. Look at this relationship yep. that you have and see see if it's controlling. See if you are in a controlling relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, I... <laughs> wrote this one you're sitting those in those prayer meetings uh and then the whoever's praying out loud uses the word just way too many times like they're just Just, like father god just father father god i just come before you father god and i just i just want to thank you god father for for being a father god and just (laughs) and just 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 loving me like a father god father the way you do it's just just, just when we just know that you just love us with and we can just feel that love as we just sit here just in your presence just humbled before you <laughs> the one i heard was the lord god one lord god we come to you lord god today oh, yeah. lord god we ask lord god that you lord god just take us lord god safely lord god home lord. it's like it's i don't know if you've ever spoken gibberish as a kid where it's like oh man that's what it sounds yeah, like yeah it's like you got to take out the that word and then you yeah. can make sense of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about but those it's so conferences? Hard. The pressure is on in those moments. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, yeah. What do I? What do I say? This <laughs> filler, filler words. words. Filler words. Yep. And I can't filler use words. my usual yeah. one, so it's got to yep. be <laughs> <laughs> the anxiety of this just Father and Lord God. Yep. Um. Yeah. Oh, those the conferences that we all used to go to. Um. I mean, of course, there was Hillsong Conference, which didn't, you know, they just named, they've named it with their brand, which they do. But there are always, I remember going to a, a conference called Thirst. Um, and uh, Michael Gunger actually uh, led worship at that conference. That's that's kind of dating us a little bit because Gunger left the the evangelical scene quite a while ago. Um, Ignite Passion Conference. Do you remember Passion Conference? Passion. Boy, Passion. That, acquire that sounds the familiar. fire. Acquire the fire. Oh, acquire the fire. Acquire the fire. Noemi and I had a little Urbana back and forth moment when we were at our, on our podcast. Oh, That's right. what I went to. It was like missions conference. It was really big. But I mean, the, the sheer number of sticking a huge amount of young people. That I, we didn't really t- touch too much on that, but the worship and like getting caught up in the mm. high of being in a mass crowd of people and feeling this experience and assuming it's God is like, I don't know, it's just such an emotional manipulative thing yeah. that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, just the summer camps, right? Like the last. Oh, yeah. of, and they always talked of, about the camp highs that you'd go, you're going to be on a camp high. It's like they knew. They knew that, like, we, we, we knew what the deal was. We knew that this mm. created some big emotional roller coaster and they'd tell you about the camp crash when you got home from retreat mm-hmm. or from yep yeah oh i yeah. forgot to mention under behavior control manipulation and deprivation of sleep well that's hashtag like... no sleep till conference yep <laughs> oh man Ugh. oh conference was brutal people didn't sleep that was that's a good way to control people's brains and, and allow yeah. them not to think or question if they're exhausted actually completely mm-hmm. physically exhausted yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah um yeah oh there was uh what was that um the all of the the pop culture ripoffs in evangelicalism you know those (laughs) t-shirts that like you know do you remember i i I remember seeing because my favorite movie when i was in high school was the matrix and i remember seeing um a t-shirt with the, the matrix font and it said the one 
And then, of course, I had, you know, <laughs> we're just talking about Jesus. Oh, I remember the Christian bookstore that I used to go to had little mints in like a tin. And it said, oh, was it the Testament? Testament. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they really didn't oh, come up with man. very cheesy. And, and oh, like, yeah. I, I, it took me a long time to realize how cheesy it was because when I was like 14 or 13, I was like, oh, it's look at that. It's clever. <laughs> and, then, and then you're like, wow, this is so weird. I used to, um, oh, this is, the, I, was, I was a terrible person, but when I was in high school um, and I was, I was singing in uh, the state uh, choir. So all like the best singers in, from all the different high schools, you know, they get like 300, you want audition and, and you're in a, a state choir. And I remember um, I would bring testaments. And I would give you had out. testaments. <laughs> I, I, yeah. If, if one of my, I was like, where's Nate going me, with this? Were, what cheesy thing? It was school the testaments. Kids. <laughs> yeah. These were public school kids that I well, was. Well, that's how you tell them about me. Jesus. They were look at yeah. the, they look at the little cross on the mint and they're like, this is a different mint than I'm used to eating. Yeah. Wonder what yeah. this message is meaning. Let me yeah. go ask and Nate. And I would wear, do you, do you guys, I posted this. Not the colors. Yeah, I posted this recently um, about the, yeah, the bracelets, the colored bracelets. Did you, <laughs> Do you remember those? You you put up a a status that was like if you if you wore this bracelet yeah. you need therapy now or you're probably yeah. in you're in therapy <laughs> yep oh. yep um and it was black and it came from the wordless book right it was black for the color of of mm -hmm. sin and then um, I think the next one was red for the blood of Christ washing you clean and then white because you're clean you're white as snow then blue for being baptized in water yeah, and then beat. green. Yeah, we had the blue bead. I didn't yeah. have and then, that one. Oh, you didn't have one? No, I didn't uh, have the well, blue one. I had all the other ones. Well, well, I, I came from a Baptist church, so we had to have the, the, the blue, blue bead. Map. It was very important. But because Did you have we're the Baptist... blue bead, Janice? Do you remember blue bead? No. Um, like I never had that bracelet. You never had the bracelet? I know what it is. Yeah. 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 And then oh, the yellow man. and the... Yeah, it was green, green for growth in Christ and then yellow for the yellow streets of gold. For the streets it's of all gold. about the streets of gold at the end of the day. You got to get up there. Yep. Christians are so corny. So corny. <laughs> yeah. So corny. Watch a Christian movie and it. Yeah. Ugh. And then would like brag about, you know, how we're we're leading culture and we're, no. you know, we're the head and not the tail. We're we're out front here. No. And it's like you're just taking no. everything secondhand mm -hmm. and trying to spin it into something. <laughs> but meanwhile, y'all yeah. stay away from the real thing. Yeah. And you go good. into the Christian uh, music, um, Christian bookstores that had the music demos, and it'd say, if you like this music that's secular, <laughs> right. try <laughs> this artist instead. Yep. That's yep. mimicking in China sound you, like them. Yep. Yeah. If you like Britney Spears, try Stacey Arico. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, man. Ugh. And, um, yeah. But then it's so funny you say, you, just, uh, you mentioning that, Janice, because like, you know, they did that at, at Hillsong so much. And like we bought into it because we they were winning Grammy Awards. They were on the Today Show. They were like they were they were at the bleeding edge of me. But like the, you always had to connect them to a band that they sounded like. Right? right. So it was like they sounded like Coldplay or they sounded like Muse or they sounded like U2. But th those were the ones that were originating this style. Hillsong was just stealing it because it was popular. Right. And not like not just the music, like so much of the staging for even like the yeah. conferences or whatever, like they would go to to Justin Timberlake show and yep. then, oh, there's the next next year's platform. Like mm -hmm. they would just literally just like steal, 
steal these ideas. Yep. And just repurpose it. And because you're feeding it to an audience that you have deprived from everything else, it seems cool, right? And it Mm -hmm. seems cutting edge. And it seems, you know, wow, look at us. Look how cool this church is. And it is cool for a church, but it's corny (laughs) for the world. Like, and even when I was deep, deep in Hillsong, like in the pastor's, you know, would be acting however like i would even think i'm like man like some of these people you're such a big deal here but like you can go across the street and literally nobody knows who you are and nobody cares but like this we're just on this weird little planet where we've just made up just made up all these values and just made up this whole other ecosystem that only thrives here yeah it's it's not real and it would be fine if those pastors didn't treat the people in their world like shit. Right. Because then you'd be like, okay, yeah, sure, you're a big shot in here. Nobody knows you out there. But at the very least, you've treated people kindly where you do have influence. But no, none of these pastors did. They walked all over us. And and, and that ties the the whole concept because, you know, Janice, you're talking about, you know, you've invented a world of your own values and beliefs that exist here. And you're talking about if they, well, it could work if they treated them well. But those values and beliefs and the way they treat you are tied together. Like as we analyze thought, behavior, like they're, they value the surveillance. They value the thought control. They value micromanaging what you do and, and how you perceive things. And so that is one of their values. So treating you like shit, that, that's part of it. That's, that's the control. And also because like nothing is now, nothing now matters, right? Right. So I have you, I already have you. I don't need to win you. In fact, I can abandon you if I want to because Jesus, you know, he leaves the 99 for the one. So you're one of the 99 now. So I got to go get the one. So I can trample everybody here because the whole point, again, we are evangels. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what happens to you here now. You're going to get it in heaven. Your only job, our only job is to get as many more people as possible in here. So you need to suck it up. You need to not be offended, not get angry, not get bitter, not feel whatever, because you know what the truth is and you're on, you're on the good path. And now we're all trying to get, get everyone else in here. Why can't you just be a good team player? Why can't you yeah. just make it easier to win souls for Jesus, even if things are going wrong and you're seeing horrible things yeah. around you? It's it's not the focus. It's not the point. It's not about you. No. Yep. It's not about you. It's I remember. I don't you. remember if it was at um, Hillsong or if I was at Liquid when I heard this phrase, but the, um, a pastor would say, "Our church exists for those who aren't here yet." Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I mean, that's kind of both, very, yeah. very plainly, that's putting it in such a clear way about the mission. Yeah. yeah. About how much you don't matter. <laughs> you don't matter. Yeah. You don't matter. Yep. Once we got you, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what you deserve. Because mm-hmm. you're depraved yes. and awful anyway. Yep. You're lucky Simple to be here. Can person. you believe we get to do this? Oh. How lucky, how lucky are we? Yeah. And we got to get get more people in even with like carl we knew he was an awful pastor but like the excuse we would make for him oh uh, he's just more of an evangelist like yeah. he's not it's just not very of course he's not going to be great yeah. right for the people here right. but man he can win souls 
Man. Yep. He's building the church. Right. Isn't that what Josh Keim said up in Boston too? And he said, oh, I, I can't be bothered with, with ha what's happening in the church because I have to go out and build the church. <laughs> chumps oh, are back awesome. there. What <laughs> so ridiculous. Oh, these people. Well, these people. Well, Janice. Man. We appreciate yeah. you so much for taking all this time with us. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be two episodes, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we could drop it into one. Maybe we just we say, you know what? We have been doing that. We've been inspired by you telling yeah. your stories with people and being like, um, you know, we're going to, I'm not going to break this up because uh, you guys can all just hit pause. But like, I, don't, I haven't heard a three hour episode yet on your podcast. So I think no, I mean, no. maybe we're going to get this in half. We're going to have to do something with this know. one. Yeah. But thank oh, yeah. you. This might be this might be cool to even break into four and like let people think about it like week to week, yeah. like shoe on That's it. That's true. Just go with like yeah the behavior and mm. what yeah. do you guys think? Yeah, you... I think you're, you're right. You? I think definitely. So this episode definitely because it's it's. Uh, there's some stuff that's fun to power through in one shot because it's a conversation mm. and it's someone's story. But I think you're right. This this kind of a topic is probably good to take in more bite size to like have yeah. some time to reflect and to to process before getting into like that. I feel like if we did that in one episode, it might be like drinking from a fire hose, like literally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it also might be too easy to like swat it away. But like if I have to think for yeah. a week about just the bee and just those. Mm. Just those, because then I don't know what's coming, and I might be like, you know what? Yeah, it's fine that three of these apply to me, because I'm sure the rest won't. Um, yeah. So yeah, stay tuned next week. Right. They just might. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Janice, this has been um, a all, as always. It's a blast chatting with you. This has been a little especially triggering, <laughs> but. <laughs> We would we would rather, We'd rather be triggered with you yeah. than not yeah. with you because there is there I'll put it this way there is hardly anyone we would rather do this with than you. <laughs> yep, that's what I'm here for. I'm here yeah. just a life lifetime yeah. trigger. Just awesome. You want to do lunch? <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. You know this. Yeah, you know definitely. This. We yeah. need to make this happen again. That was a lot of fun. Yep. We yeah. need to hang out. Yeah. We live. We live close enough. It. Yeah, we I do. mean Nate does, but I I come around often <laughs> enough to see him, so I'm around. <laughs> yeah, just say when, just say yeah. when. All right, Janice, thank you again for hanging out. We'll put all of your info if you're you know if you're looking for Janice, um, head into the show notes. We'll put links for all of all of her stuff in there. Um, but since we mentioned the Bad Words podcast, are you, do you think you'll ever bring that one, resurrect that one again, or uh, or is that oh, one? I definitely will. Yeah, yeah. I just. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. I've got I've got some submissions I'd like to I'd like to send your way potential book ideas. <laughs> I mean, there's so many. I mean, I think the plan for the next one is to to do Wild at Heart and Captivating. Oh. Um, like I'm trying oh, to at the same out, time. Yeah, Ooh. that's a huge one. Okay. How All right. That, so but... definitely go check yeah. out the Bad Words podcast. That one. Oh, that one's that one's going to be a trip, uh, but yeah, we'll put all of all of Janice's stuff in the in the show notes. So if you're looking for for her, go ahead and, and hop there. Um, and yeah, we'll uh, we'll obviously we'll see you again soon, Janice. Thank you again. <laughs> <laughs> 
That wraps up another episode of the Full Mutuality Podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And if you don't already have one, head over to our website, fullmutuality.com, for a list of all the apps you can find us on. We couldn't do this without you, our listeners, so thank you so much for your continued support. Speaking of support, one of the best things you can do for us is to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. I'm pretty sure five-star reviews get you an extra crown in heaven. Look, seriously, if you found this episode insightful, spread the word and share it with your friends. And don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Full Mutuality. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Full Mutuality Podcast.